0: It's funny. So are you at John chapter 2? Okay, so verse 1, On the third day was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And he said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there was a set there of six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to them, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and then the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, but you have kept the good wine until now." This is the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glories and his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now put your thumb on John chapter twelve, just uh, a little bit over in John verse twenty-seven. Sorry, verse twenty-six. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Let's read that again. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Isn't that a powerful scripture? All right, if, if you want to title it, it would be Follow the Leader. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for your house, Lord, your dwelling place. God, that your presence abides, that you speak to us. God, that you change our lives, that your Holy Spirit is alive and working today and uh, speaking to us in, in each of our situations. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. Uh, We are uh, teaching our daughter what it means to be a leader. She's only four, so we don't want to get too into depth, but she has these little pet shops. You know what I'm talking about, the little pet shop toys, and they have the magnets on the bottom. And so, uh, you know, they (laughs) they, on the fridge, anywhere that's metal you can put them on and they'll stick and, and they're different animals so we'll say okay and we'll move one to the top and we'll say now which one's the leader and she'll say the bumblebees the leader and so she's learning this pretty basic game i mean duck duck goose and musical chairs i mean those are pretty basic but follow the leader it doesn't really get much more basic than that but jesus was kind of a fan of this game when when he approached the tax collectors and the sinners and even the rich young ruler he just simply said follow me and guess what they dropped everything they left everything and they followed him. All he had to say was, follow me. He didn't give them a manual for discipleship. He didn't give them a seven-step program. He just said, follow me. It was just as simple as that, and they dropped everything to follow him. Brandon, will you you come up here with me for a minute? I want to use you as an example. Ben just finished the Carnal Christianity series in Luke 29:23, and it said, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me." And then we just read John 12:26, and it, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Isn't that a powerful just picture of just Jesus? He's going to be Jesus for a minute. Just walk really slowly. Where I am, there my servant will be also. So we're just right there in step with Jesus. <laughs> wherever <you laughs> Okay, now I'm following you. So just wherever you want to go, but just slowly. So I don't lose weight. But the problem is we overcomplicate it. Go a little bit slower. Okay, you're you're slow Jesus. You're a very slow Jesus. Because this is a small stage, okay? So you're you're moving slowly, Jesus, but the problem is, is we overcomplicate things, okay, because we're okay with following Jesus as long as he's going where we we think he should go, but then all of a sudden, when he starts going in a different direction that we're not quite comfortable with, let's stay away from the cords, Jesus. (laughs) It's It's a kitten heel, but it's still a heel, okay, (laughs) okay, so Jesus moving slowly, so what happens is, is he tries to go in a direction that we're not quite comfortable with, and we either try to slow Jesus down or stop Jesus, right? Or, or we're just really impatient about a situation, and we just try to get Jesus to go faster. <laughs> this is the only person I could beat up on like this, so, okay. Or we just simply say, whoa, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? And we try to get him to go in a different direction, Right? Or we just simply say, I don't know about this game. I think I'm just going to take the lead, okay? Oh. <laughs> and we try to step in front of him. But if the scripture says if we're really serving Jesus, if we claim to be servants of him, where he is, there his servant is also. He's right, we're right in step with him. We're right in step with his timing. We're right in step with his direction and his leading in our life. Where he is, there will be also. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but a child understands this game better than we do. They simply just stay in step. All you just do is follow the leader. It's just really simple. You don't question. You don't try to stop them. You don't try to slow them down. You just stay in step with the leader but for a lack of trust in his plan and his timing we overcomplicate we overanalyze the root of the issue is we need to know him because if we know him we understand that we can trust him we understand that he's a trustworthy god so i love this scripture in john chapter 2 cuz it's it's mary's it's mary and jesus's mother and she's initiating a little game of follow the leader with his disciples and she's just saying whatever he says to you do it just don't even worry about what he said just trust him right and so uh, number one your leader cares about the simple things and you have to understand the context of the scripture although it was a humiliating situation because they were only three days into the wedding so right now it's kinda hard for us to understand because the weddings only last about an hour total including the reception but back then they lasted a week and even sometimes two weeks so it's only three days into it and they ran out of wine And 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 for hospitality's sake it would have been a little bit embarrassing for the bridegroom and the bride to run out of wine at that time but the funny thing is it's, you would have expected Jesus' first miracle to maybe be raising somebody from the dead or something really, you know, life-critical or, you know, the, the paralyzed person who's been paralyzed for years and suffering for years, but it was just simply to just spare some people from some humiliation and some embarrassment. Doesn't that seem kind of like kind of a simple thing? Even though it was, it, was, it was an act that was caring and it was an act of, of concern, it was still his first miracle, And even though we would have expected Jesus' miracle to be something really big and bombast, he cared about the simple things. You know, that couple, they would have gone 20, 30 years down the road and they might have looked back at their wedding and just thought, man, that was a bummer that we ran out of wine. That was kind of embarrassing. But the couple still would have got married. They still would have had the same kids. It wasn't a 911 critical emergency. And I think sometimes that we we think God is like the president of the United States, or he's the CEO of this company. He's got all these phones ringing off the hook. You know what I'm talking about? And he's just so busy answering prayers that we don't want to take him just the simple things, you know, that we think that, well, he's just so busy, and he's just got so many other things, and the, the war in Iraq, and I, I, you know. But yeah, what a kind of a relationship is that? If I only go to my husband, when it's a 911 emergency, or when it's a critical situation, wow, God, I really need help in this situation, that is not an intimate relationship, that is not knowing him, that's just calling him when you desperately need him, which isn't really a relationship at all. You call 911 when you desperately, but that doesn't mean you're friends with the person on the other line. That doesn't mean you have an intimate relation. God wants the simple things in your life because that's a sign that you're intimate with him and that you know that he's a good God, that you know that he cares about you, that you know that he, he cares about the simple things in your life. He's not too busy to answer your simple requests, your simple concerns, your simple trial, your simple tribulation. It might not seem like the end of the world to some people, but maybe to you it's a big deal yeah, at that time, and God cares. You know, my, my daughter, she's been obsessed with butterflies for the past six or seven months, and she's, you know, four years old, and... Um, and we go on walks almost every day, whether it be to the park or, or, uh, or to the store. And uh, we walk past this place that seems to attract a lot of butterflies. And so every time she walks past that place, she's, dear Jesus, I just pray that a butterfly would land on my finger. And it's just, it's so sweet. And she prays it before she goes to bed. She prays it all the time. And it is the cry of this little girl's heart, honestly. And so um, I, I pray in my head every now and then when we're just passing by. I just pray, God, would you someday, would you just honor that prayer? Would you just, you know, bless her heart and just. Just let a butterfly land her. And I honestly, in my in my adult, you know, walk with God and in my lack of faith, my my lack of childlike faith, I don't really have a lot of faith for that. Because it just doesn't happen very often. You know, I've stuck my finger out a couple times and nothing happens. You know, they just flitter away. And we were at SeaWorld a couple weeks ago, and there's the garden of discovery. It's not the most major attraction at SeaWorld, and it's not really anything special at all, really, but there's a lot of butterflies over there. So uh, Brandon had to go grab something from the car. And so me and the kids were hanging out waiting for him to get back. And and there was a lot of butterflies over there. And there was a couple of them mating. And so (laughs) we stayed away from those because I don't want to explain the birds, the bees, or the butterflies (laughs) right now to her. But we, we veered off to another place where they weren't doing the butterfly thing, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and one, uh, well, Brandon came back, and he was kind of standing by my daughter, and, and sh- the whole time he was gone, she was praying, Jesus, I just pray a butterfly would land on my finger, Jesus, I just pray a butterfly would land on my finger, it was the sweetest, and she held her finger out the entire time, must have been gone for 10 minutes, but her finger was out the whole time, and, uh, and this little butterfly starts flying right in front of her, like, as if to say, j- but you know how kids get when, like, it's a bee, or a bug, or a, a butterfly butterfly or anything right in their face, they get a little scared. So she's getting scared and she's backing off. And I'm saying, Hannah, put your finger out. Hannah, put your finger out. So of course, dad saves the day and he kind of comes up behind her and, and he puts his finger out. He lands on this leaf and, uh, and he puts his finger right next to the leaf and it crawls. I mean, this wasn't just a butterfly. I, it was like the hugest monarch you've ever seen. You could see its head turning. Like its body was so big. Do we have a picture of that? I don't know if it's coming up. I emailed A picture, okay. This is not a 911 situation, people. This is not the (laughs) cure for cancer. But it made this little girl's whole entire year. She can look at her face. She is just so ecstatic. Like, she cannot believe that this is happening. And although she got a little scared and the butterfly didn't land on her finger, she was still just as ecstatic that it was, Daddy was holding it right in front of her. God cares about the simple things in your life. He cares about those little, those little desires of your heart that are, they're not critical, they're not life-threatening. Nobody's dying of the swine flu maybe, but he cares about those little things. That mean a lot to you. You know, the disciples started acting at some point like the secret service, and they started shooing all the little children away that were running up to Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He rebuked his disciples because he cares about the little things. He cares about about those little children that just wanted to know Jesus. Number two, your leader is trustworthy. What Jesus asked them to do was really simple, but it was kind of unexpected. He said, just fill the water pots up and go give it to the master of the feast. Now, that might not seem pretty significant to you, but if you know anything about those water pots, they were used for ceremonial washing. It wasn't typically something you would be drinking out of because they washed their hands and all their gunk comes off in those pots. And sometimes, if you read and study, sometimes it said they'd even wash their silverware. So it was a symbol of just washing off the evil that they had, you know, accumulated from the world right before they eat and they feast. So this wasn't something that they would normally use for for drinking water. So for Jesus to tell his disciples to go take that to the master of the, so go take that dirty water to the master of the feast and have him try some, the disciples just must have had to trust him. But the reality is they just knew Jesus. They just spent time with Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. They knew Jesus. They had seen him interact in so many different situations. And they just knew that whatever he said to do, was trustworthy, that he had proven himself faithful, and he had proven himself trustworthy over and over again, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's not the most expected thing that he would say, that they just trusted him, because they walked with him, and they knew him. I I, I did a little fast for the month of September, and uh, I was really a little bit scared to go to God. How many of you have ever, you know, it's like, I want to fast, I want to hear God more, but I'm almost a little bit afraid of what I'm going to hear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm almost a little bit like afraid that he's going to ask me to go to downtown San Diego and like stand on a building and shout my faith from the rooftops or do something really embarrassing. You know, it's just like this fear in us. Or, or when you first come to know Christ, that fear, like, what if he calls me to be a missionary in Alaska and I hate the cold with a passion? What if he calls me to marry somebody really ugly? You know what I'm talking about? And you just kind of like are a little bit scared to hear the voice of God because you're afraid of what he's going to say. So I I was like, okay, I'm going to fast a couple things through September. I just want to hear God. That was my prayer. I just want to hear you more. I just want to hear. And I was a little bit afraid going into it. I had that fear. What is he going to ask me to do? The first week, he just said, focus on your family just enjoy them. Just enjoy them and just love on them and have fun with your kids. And I was a little bit taken, simple instruction, but a little bit unexpected. A little bit unexpected because I just thought, wait, you really, you just want me to love my kids. I can do that. I love that. That is what, that is where my heart is. And you just want me to, that's just what you want me, you don't want me to start this business or start this ministry or go do something totally radical for you. No, I just want you to love your kids, and just enjoy your family. Do you know God, in his first miracle, what was he doing? He was just hanging out. He was hanging out with his friends and family at a wedding. He was just partying. He was having fun. He was experiencing joy and abundance in life. Don't you think he would want the same thing for us? Many times we we, we picture God as we read the, the, the uh, epistles, and we think that he's always praying and always so serious and he's always performing miracles and doing something for God. Sometimes he was just enjoying his family and enjoying time with his disciples, his friends. And that's okay. The second week he told me, focus on your finances and just trust me as your provider. Don't let that fear come in you that it's not enough. I don't have enough to give to this or I don't have enough to give to that. Just, Just trust me. Just focus on your finances. That was it. And third week, focus on your faith. Faith family finances. It was so simple. It was a little bit unexpected. Isn't that good that we can trust him? That he's not going to tell you to do something that completely goes against the way that he wired you? That he's not going to go tell you to marry somebody that you just aren't attracted to at all? (laughs) Some of you are getting set free right now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) They say that you always call the person will most likely agree with you. So if you want to stay home from your classes in college, you'll usually call your best friend and not your mom. That's what they say, psychology stuff, right? And so I wonder how often we're not calling Jesus because we're so afraid of what we think he's going to say. Are we really calling him? Because if we're calling him, then we should trust in what he's saying. Are we trusting that what we're going to hear is going to be trustworthy, that he's a good God who has good plans for your life and good intentions? He has your best interest in mind, that he actually wants you to have life and life abundantly, that he's not going to call you to ask do something that's completely humiliating? Am I the only one who's ever feared that? You hear these stories about these radical pastors and preachers who like stood up in their cafeteria and started, you know, telling these stories and then they did this radical thing and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if I could do that." <laughs> I mean, God give me grace if you call me to But, you know, but he, but he's not going to call you to do something that takes you completely out of who he created you to be. Yeah, that's good. Right. That's really good. He's not going to call me to be a worship singer I can tell you that right now (laughs) the sad thing is is whether we're in the church or outside of the church you often ask people how they're doing and you get two responses right tired or busy tired or busy is that true but the scripture says if anyone serves me let him follow me and there I am where I am there my servant will also be so I question if we're always busy and we're always tired and we're always stressed and overworked and short with our kids and frustrated and, and, and hanging on by a thin wire. I question are we really right there with him? Because my Bible says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. That his grace is sufficient for you. And he's, he can only anoint you to do what he's called you to do. So if you're always tired and always busy and always stressed and always overworked, maybe that we're just trusting in ourselves a little bit more than we're trusting in God and his plan. That we don't need to be involved in every single thing in our community, although it's good to be involved in some things. We don't need to be involved in every single thing at church, although it's, it's good. But think about the things that he's called you to do and do those things well. Think about the thing. He is a good God. He is a trustworthy God. And unfortunately, our society is, is so into glorifying and glamorizing, you know, the CEOs of the companies, and they get all the accolades, but the stay-at-home mom is never recognized. Or the, or the couple that just has a really good marriage, and they just put their marriage first before their work. Unfortunately, that doesn't win awards or, or get more money or get more accolades, but those are the things that matter to Jesus. Galatians 5:25 says, "Keep in step with the Spirit." Proverbs three, verses five and six says, "Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's going to lead your path. He's going to guide your path. He's going to direct you. Number three, your leader's plan is the best plan. His instructions are for a reason. He just wants to take some dirty water in your life and make it some choice wine. Are you going to give him your dirty water? This was notable wine. This wasn't just good wine. This was notable. The master of the feast pulled the bridegroom aside and just said, Wow, usually they, they bring out the best wine first, and then after everybody's gotten a little intoxicated and can't really tell the difference, they bring out the other one. But surely this is the best wine. And you saved it for now. Is there anything notable about our lives? There should be something notable if we're serving him and following him. And he's taken your dirty water and he's, he's truly changed it into wine. There should be something notable about it. I don't often think about uh, the fact that we have a great marriage, but we do. Because we go on day to day, but but there's moments when we get reminded of how blessed we are when somebody pulls us aside and said, wait a second, wait a second. This is not dirty water. This is good wine. What's going on here? This is the best wine. I mean, what's going on with your marriage? How did you, how did you get to this? Is there anything notable about your life when you're going into your workplace and when you're going into, into, uh, into the place that God's called you to go or around your friends or wherever you're at? Is there anything that's notable Are we living God's best plan for our life, or have we settled for dirty water? There should be something notable. People should notice that there's something different. He just wants to spare you from a little embarrassment, a little shame, a little guilt, a little frustration. He just wants to take that dirty water and make it something notable. Number four, your leader is speaking and directing. I love, love, love what Mary said. I think it's the key to success in life. She just said, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he, Will you say that out loud with me? Is that silly? Whatever he says to you, do it. Isn't that awesome? It's so simple, but so powerful. Whatever he says to you, do it. The key for it, the key for it is to wait until we hear him tell us, and then we do it. <laughs> Because the problem is, is we become like the frustrated driver who races to the red light. You know what I'm talking about? The one that makes every other driver around them mad. Because all they did was just get one car ahead. And they're still at the same red light as you are. But they were so set on getting ahead and driving a little faster because they just had to race. And they were just in some hurry and they were impatient and anxious. But when we get like that, we're like the frustrated driver who just races to the red light. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of racing the red lights. I've raced to red lights a time or two. Well, both in the natural and in the other, the spiritual, whatever (laughs) I'm saying. I've raced to red lights. Uh, We were uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Moved to Vegas for four years. And then we moved, the plan was always we'll move back to Oregon. But it was really difficult going back to the rain. And I didn't realize how cold it really was. And so when we were getting ready to move to San Diego, I raced to a few red lights before I got here because I was really ready to get out of the cold. But looking back, I just wasn't in step with God's timing and direction. It's not that I wasn't serving him. It's not that I wasn't seeking him. I was just racing to that red light because I was so impatient. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31 says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. How many of you think that's a pretty good promise? If We wait on God. We wait on his timing. We're going to have the strength. We're going to run and not grow weary. We're going to run and walk and not grow faint. I'll never forget the the first time that I ran the 400-meter race, and the last time, unfortunately. (laughs) I was a pole vaulter. And that's all I did. I I didn't want to do any of the running thing. I just, I didn't like it. Um, But for some reason, they needed somebody to fill in, and I was the only person to do it. And without any instructions, how many of you were track people? How many of you ran? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Without any instructions, he he sends me out there, and I think uh, for a while there that I miss my calling. Because I am smoking everybody. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> so all the girls are behind me, and uh, I'm looking back like I am an Olympic 400 meter runner. <laughs> I have got this thing in the bag, sacked, tied, delivered. It is done, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and I make it about halfway uh, around the track. So it's only one lap. Seems a little longer, but it's only one. <laughs> <laughs> and I hit a wall. I mean, I lost it. all the energy drained from my body all at once and I was just done. And so surely one by one they start running by <laughs> me <laughs> and I lost my calling in an instant. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sure enough, I didn't realize that had I gotten some training, you got to pace yourself. Yeah. You can't just run off the, the block sprinting in that kind of race. Yeah. I think life is a lot like the 400-meter <laughs> race where we just need to pace ourselves and stay in step with God's timing, stay in step with His direction. This is a race that we can win if we would just listen to our coach. Amen? Amen. God is speaking. I was always a little jealous of the Israelites who got the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. You know what I'm talking about? They got the cloud to follow by day and then the pillar of fire by night. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I want that. <laughs> I, want, I want to be able to follow just a physical thing that would just show me where to go. But the cool thing is, is God is still speaking. He speaks through his word, number one. Psalms 19:105 says, Your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. So there's our light right there. He speaks through his word. This thing is alive. It's living and active. It's speaking to each and and every one of our individual situations. And you could read the same scripture one day, and then two years later you're in a different situation, but it's the same scripture, but it speaks to you in a different way. That's the power of his word today. Isn't that awesome? The Israelites didn't have the fullness of the word that we have. so awesome. Number two, he speaks through his Holy Spirit. James 1, 5 says, If one of you at lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. The key is you have to believe and not doubt, because the Bible says if you don't believe and you doubt what he says, you're like a wave tossed to and fro in the sea. You're Double-minded and unstable in all of your ways. So if we're going to ask God and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak into our life, who is our guider, our counselor, our director, our teacher? That sounds to me like somebody who knows the answers. If we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, and we're going to line it up with his word, then we have to be ready to believe and not doubt. Number three, he speaks through leadership and authority. This is such a cool scripture where Paul, he's talking to the Corinthians, and he just says, follow me as I follow Christ. Sometimes we can't always see what direction Christ is leading, but if we have a leader who's following Christ, that's maybe a little, a few steps ahead of us, a few, a few steps closer to Jesus than we are, that we can trust in their counsel, we can follow them as they follow Christ. Isn't that good? Hebrews thirteen seven says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Isn't that good? Consider the outcome of their width. Consider those people that you look up to in the faith. Consider the outcome of their life and the blessings that came from their obedience and imitate their faith. You can go to them and just say, hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. Will you help me? Can I bounce this off of you? Actually, maybe I'm a little too attached to this situation to make a rational decision. Can you on the outside just help me make it? I have come to the Brinkmans many times, especially when it it comes to family. It seems like it's just, it's so close to home that you almost don't, you think that I can't even respond to the situation in a godly way. I just need somebody to tell me how to, I just need to imitate their faith for a moment because if I don't, I'm going to choke somebody. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So you can imitate their faith. (laughs) The second part of what Mary said, she said, whatever he says to you, do it. So the first part is listen, the second part is obey. It's funny to me that Jesus didn't pull a Chris Angel (laughs) at the wedding. How many of you know Chris Angel? He does like the, and then he makes something really radical happen, and he makes a big show of it. But the funny thing about Jesus is it's not magic. He always makes us appropriate it. He always makes us do something. He always gives some sort of instruction so you have the opportunity to be obedient so you have the opportunity to exercise your faith and trust in him reminds me of Nahum in the Bible and when the prophet came to him he had leprosy and he wanted to be healed and so the the prophet said go wash in the pool seven times and then you'll be healed and Nahum said can't you just wave your hand over me and it just and he got angry at the prophet because the prophet told him no you appropriate this you go obey and then you'll be healed you go do something about it and he got angry because he wanted the magic fix But God is not into magic. He's going to make you appropriate it and walk it out and be obedient. I remember a a story my husband told me when he was helping counsel a young man that was struggling with pornography in the dorm rooms. And uh, he said, go. Uh, He said, you know, how are you doing with this issue? You know, I'm not doing good. And he said, what you really need to do is get your computer out of your room because you're just not strong enough to handle it. And so a few months go by and he talks to him again. How are you doing with this issue? I'm still struggling with it. And he said, so you, you didn't tell, you didn't do what I told you to do? You didn't get rid of your computer? No, you know, I just, you know, whatever. So Brandon, he said, let's go up to your dorm room right now. So he takes the computer, throws it out of the two-story window. Yeah, I totally just lied to you. <laughs> I just made that up. That was pretty cool to see your faces, though. <laughs> that would have been a cool story. But no, 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 he was gracious. He didn't throw his computer out of the window. <laughs> You gotta know my sense of humor here. I feel so bad for Jen. She was babysitting my kids on Friday. We were talking about somebody, her certain feelings on this particular person, and my, my, uh, my baby, uh, my one-year-old had her phone. And I said, uh-oh, uh, we'll just call him Frank. I said, Bishop just called Frank, and I, I think he heard everything we were saying. And her face was like a tomato. <laughs> got so red. And I said, no, I just made that up. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> mm. But obedience takes action obedience takes action and obedience is now the longer we wait to obey the more room there is to justify doing what we really want to do the more room there is to justify why well maybe god didn't really say that maybe he just said something maybe he wasn't leading me in that direction maybe he meant this way the longer you wait to obey the more time there is to justify i'm reminded of a story of a man we knew in vegas and the Holy Spirit spoke to him very clearly and said, end that relationship that you're in right now. End it now. And he, he waited, and he justified, and he thought it was a good thing. And a few months later, the Holy Spirit spoke to him again and said, go over to her house right now. I want to show you why you were supposed to end this. So he we went over there, and sure enough, her other boyfriend answers the door. This is a true story. I'm not making this one up. And... Uh, and he knew that he had been disobedient to the holy spirit the holy spirit in that situation was just trying to spare him a little embarrassment spare him a little shame spare him some heartache and frustration spare him some time invested in this woman who wasn't in it holy spirit just wanted to take his dirty water and make it into some choice wine but he failed that instant obedience that it requires. <clears throat> Amanda, if you want to go ahead and come up here, and I'm just going to close. <clears throat> John 10:27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. It's kind of frustrating when you hear no, and you want to hear yes. It's kind of frustrating when you're watching something, and the Holy Spirit tells you to turn it off kind of frustrating when you really made a great new friend and the Holy Spirit says, just cut it off. But it's a good thing because it means you're a sheep and you're hearing his voice. A lot of times we think that hearing God's voice has to be this big bombast experience that rattles and shakes and earthquakes and we know that we heard it because it was loud and loud enough in an audible voice no it's not like that sometimes it's just the conviction of God remember when I first got saved I asked my husband I said how do you know where God is how do you know his perfect will how do I know that I'm doing the right thing and he told me you may not always know when you're in the perfect will of God but you always know when you're out of it you always know you always know because there's that lack of peace when you walk into a situation and you're not you're just not supposed to be there you just feel it in your gut did you know that that's actually hearing God you're hearing God in that moment my old pastor used to say whenever she felt convicted she actually praised God because that meant that she was a child of God that meant that she was hearing from God that meant she was his sheep would you stand with me In Psalms 28, verse 1, it says, To you I will cry, O Lord my rock, do not be silent to me. If you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. It's actually a scarier place to be when you don't hear him, when you don't feel that anymore, because maybe you've pushed the mute button on the Holy Spirit for so long. Or maybe you have become like, when I was doing the demonstration with Brandon, the one who just says, No, God, I, I got this. I can lead. I can do this. A lot of times I think we do altar calls and some of us think that maybe it's just for people that are so engrossed in these big sins, but I think that what Jesus was was talking about when he meant follow me is just let me lead, let me guide, let me direct.